and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. To hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories, I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. Uh, today, we are featuring a spectacular new show I am so thrilled to share with you. This is by our friends at the Audio Comics Company. Um, Audio Comics is a group founded by Bill DeFries, Lance Axe, as well as Elaine Lee. Um, Bill, I have known for a while. He lives locally here in the Portland, Maine area. Um, He is a well-known audiobooks narrator, of course, uh, one of the top voices out there. Um, is known, um, also has had an enduring love of audio drama recorded back with uh, Dirk Maggs on um, some of the early productions, Spider-Man, Judge Dredd, things like that, um, decades ago. And uh, that love of audio drama has continued. Um, Bill, for many years, went to the National Audio Theater Festivals. You've heard him in some of those things. You've heard him in some of my productions as well. And he's done his own shows. Um, Several things we featured for Halloween, for instance, have been um, from his Nightmares on Congress Street slash Horoscopes Productions, Rocky Coast Radio Horror Theater, um, and um, also the newer stuff with audio comics such as Starstruck. Um, So Bill and Lance, um, since at least 2007, I knew they had been collaborating on uh, bringing some comic books to audio, and uh, things really started moving um, maybe two years ago when they did Starstruck um, by Elaine Lee comics book and writer of uh, many media brought that into audio. Uh, Of course, Elaine Lee uh, penned the crazy thing we heard last week, uh, Transmars Tango, and uh, so you got a taste of her uh, writing style. And so the three of them now are building up relationships with comic book uh, creators, um, those kind of comic books where you can still have access to the creator and um, adapt well for audio to bring productions forward. So um, that's kind of the backstory that brings us to the production today called Titanium Rain. Titanium Rain is a comic book slash graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, um, written by Josh Finney and Kat Rocha. Um, It was adapted very truly to the text by Josh Finney himself and adapted in a full cinematic kick-ass audio adaptation here. Um, So I'm going to cut right into the drama. It is action-packed. It's also quite uh, graphic, colorful language and such, um, the, and, and lots of action, lots of guns and planes and Top Gun style activity. So if um, you're looking for something a bit more family friendly, this is not your Radio Drama Revival podcast. Uh, tune in to next time. Sorry for that. But if you are ready for um, a sort of dystopian world with uh, the Chinese and the U.S. at war with each other and uh, the U.S. forced to make some rather questionable uh, decisions to keep alive in that world. That's what uh, Titanium Rain is all about. And we'll feature the first half hour of two-hour production um, and then followed by an interview with the creators. Um, There is no episode of The Cleanse this week. Um, Actually, we have a bye week. Um, There are five weeks in June and only four parts to episode four of The Cleanse. So stay tuned next week for the um, start of episode 5 or chapter 17, uh, depending on how you're following the nomenclature. Um, And also some fun stuff will be going up to the Cleansed website at thecleansed.com. For a special extended edition, we start off right now with the intensity, action-packed, first 35 or so minutes of Titanium Rain. Deep within China's heavily urbanized Sichuan Basin, roughly 90 miles southwest of the Chongqing Front, U.S. engage in heavy fighting against well-armed jade revolutionaries. (laughs) 
two more tin men pushing in from the east along the corridor. Big ass metal motherfuckers. I see him, Jimmy. I see him. Hey, behind that wall. Now, now. Come on, move Control first! Make every shot count! Reels! See if you can't get eyes on the situation! I wanna know where those fucking pin men are coming from! Might as well be shooting blank! I'll smoke it ass in the air! Can't see nothing through this soup! Hold on, let me talk to God! See this insanity light on his clutch of fuck! Cap 20 this guy out, Cap 20 this guy out. Talk to me, buddy. We're caught in a shitstorm down here and visibility's nil. Copy you, Cap 20. I have the situation in view from up here. I see you've holed up in, what, is that a Buddhist temple? Yeah, something like that. We're in a courtyard behind a stone wall. Copy that. Well, I spot 12 hostiles, all mobile infantry, moving in on your location from the next street over. The IFF identifies them as Chinese Y01 motorized armor. They're approximately 50 meters north of you and look plenty pissed off. Got any rockets to spare? I can paint you boys one hell of a sweet target. That's a negative, Skyler. No rockets. We spent our last BFG getting in here. We're down to caps and traces. We're getting slammed down here. Concentrate fire on the lead tin man. They're fighting us, goddammit! I've got wounded! And we're being overrun. I need air support and I need it now! Comics Company presents Titanium Rain, adapted by Josh Finney from the graphic novel series by Josh Finney and Kat Rocha. Original music by Jonathan Sharp, directed by William Dufries. located on Hainan Island, approximately 10 miles off the coast of the contested Chinese mainland. To be alive is to be at odds with the world. There is no balance to be attained, no harmony with nature, only endless struggle. Man against nature, 
man against God. The instinct to survive is what has made us who we are. It has shaped us through the millennia, forcing us to climb ever higher up Darwin's evolutionary tree. We do this not only because we can, but because we must. For eons, man has dreamed of Eden, dreamed of an existence that's in perfect harmony with nature. Some call it Satori, others call it heaven. In more recent times, terms such as zero impact and sustainable growth have come to represent the fabled balance. Pop science buzzwords rising to take the place of religious zeal. Problem is, there's only one way to be at peace with nature, and that's to give up the fight. Hey, space case. What the hell are you looking at, man? Darwinism. You see a dead bird on the runway and you gotta poke at it? It's a seagull. The crows were eating it. Oh, that's just lovely. Just lovely, man. Well, when you're done dicking around out here, your presence would be much appreciated in the alert hut. You are on duty, after all. Afraid I forgot? Yep. Lovely. I'd bang my grandma for a cheeseburger right now, I tell you. <laughs> right, so here I am. Now what? Uh, now, let the games begin. Oh, about time. All right, boys, here's the 411. This is straight up poker, standard rules. Exception being twos are wild. Why twos? Because that's just how I like it. <laughs> yeah. The only other things you need to remember is one, starting wager is a single shiny white one, and two, I don't want any of you getting sore when I take all of you to the bank. Captain. Anyone ever accuse you of being a complete git? What the fuck's a git? <laughs> Happy, come on girl, that ain't fair. How do you expect us to understand you with all those fancy $10 words you use? <laughs> Try and speak proper English around us yanks, will you? <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, man. Bloody gits. You know, Captain, last I checked, alert duty didn't include mandatory participation in your lousy poker racket. Jeez. I'll never grasp why you're so fixated on this game. It's not like cards require any skill. Or brains. <laughs> Game's an over-glorified lottery. All luck. Uh-huh. You just keep telling yourself that, good buddy. Fact remains, I've got myself a winning strategy. Chess. Go. Those are games of strategy. But cards? It's all luck of the draw. Best hand wins. Oh, this from a man who ogles dead seagulls. I don't give a shit if you are my wingman, Alan. When you're wrong, you're wrong. And right now, you are very much in the wrong, my friend. Poker's not about who's got the best hand. It's about who can win with the hand they've got. That's right. It's just like life. Just like this war. All risk and reward. Yeah, try wrapping your head around that simple truth, buddy, and maybe someday old man Major Graves will trust you with a pair of shiny captain's bars. <laughs> All right, prove it. Huh? You say the war's like this stupid game. Convince me. Oh, how about less not? Yeah, let's just play, man. Okay, smart guy, you want proof? You got it. All we need to do is pretend for a moment that everyone here is a player in this Sino conflict. We are, you oh. dickhead. <laughs> Star with Buffalo. What? No, I mean, like, say everyone here at the table is an army or nation. You know, the real players. Like, <laughs> let's suppose Buffalo and Happy are the NATO portion of the Allies. Yeah. Buffalo, will assume you're America. And Happy, for obvious reasons, you are jolly old England. <laughs> All right. Oh, screw you, Pizzo. You can be America. I'm Texas. <laughs> That's nothing to be proud of. Now, Peanut. Oh, man, don't pull me into this, Captain. You'll be the Union, you know. 
All the holdouts of old China, the government, the businesses, and what little military sided with them. Hey, why do I have to be the Buddha heads? I plan on winning this. Space case, since you talk smack about my second favorite pastime, you get to be the goddamn Jades. Oh, lucky me. <laughs> Mostly, but he's losing blood fast. I'm going, Captain. You hear me? It's never as bad as it looks. Are you sure about that? Back him up, man! I'll see what I can do about getting our asses out of this sling! F20, F20. You're coming in weak and unreadable. I repeat. Skyhawk! F20 reporting. You're loud and clear, Cap 20. Go ahead. Situation desperate! Our CO is down! Our CO is down! Again, Cap 20. Did you just report your commanding officer as wounded? Right. So who's gonna be India or Pakistan? Like I could get two shits in a row about either of them. Seen any Indian planes on our runway lately? You gotta be seated at the table if you wanted to play. Yeah, so what about the EU then? You can't just expect us to forget them too. Seriously, man. Forget the EU? I wouldn't dream of it, Peanut. You know that girl that you got back home? <laughs> What's her name? Kathy, isn't it? You know how she's always busting your balls, all those letters she writes, all those calls? You know how she's always trying to make you feel bad about being here? And just think of her as the freaking EU. Not here, <laughs> but sure as hell trying to stick her nose where it don't belong. Too true, man. Oh, you just went there. Oh, that's cold, man. Real cold. Slaying all the insults you like, Captain, but Peanut has a point. A lot of holes in this grand hypothetical of yours. I mean, what about Japan? Or Russia, for that matter? Where are they in all this? Forget all that crap, okay? This is what you'd call a metaphor, all right? Yeah, but I don't see Fine. how... You want to know where the Japs and Ivans fit into all this? Right here. Here's your goddamn Japs and Russians. Where do you think all this comes from? Heck, you can add South Africa, Brazil, and Iran to the list if it means you'll shut up. <laughs> okay, so we've got our cards. Now comes the fun part. Time to figure out what's at stake. Because, like I said, Without risk, there ain't no reward. Britain, you're up. What's it gonna be? Well, seeing how I'm representing king and country and all, I open with a fiver. Not bad. Not great, but not bad. <laughs> so, what about you, Alec? What are the jades risk? Uh, I'll match Happy's five, I guess. Come on, Alec. A fiver's fine for jolly old England, but you're representing the jades in this here scenario. The Emperor's gambling a whole heck of a lot more than that. He's playing for all of China. Oh yeah? Well, Texas says y'all can kiss my ass. I see you five, and I'll tell you what, I'll raise you ten, booyah! Whatever, man. <laughs> I think your dumb metaphor jinxed me. Ain't natural making a brother pretend he's Chinese. I'm <laughs> out, man, I fold. Well, since yours truly is the good old U.S. of A, it's up to me to draw a line in the sand. I raise ten. All right, Happy, you're up. King and country, I raise three. I see your three, raise your two. Shoot. Guess this is what you'd call strategic withdrawal, eh, Captain? I fold. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping like flies here. Who will survive? I raise another two. It's <laughs> 
If that pile of chips is your line in the sand, what's it mean when I do this? I see your two and raise ten. Oh. <laughs> what it means is things just got interesting. <laughs> just like the real Jade Army, you're feeling pretty confident right about now. Stakes are high, three factions have folded, and you're sure you've got the winning combination. Of course, if that were true, why would I, the good old US of A, raise you five? Oh, <laughs> down the gauntlet now. You are so full of shit, Piso. <laughs> Am I? The Emperor's army outnumbers us almost three to one, yet the jury's still out on whether he can hold the mainland or not. Why should this game of cards be any different, eh? It's not the same. Bull, it's exactly the same. Now step up to the plate and play like you mean it, smart guy. So what's it gonna be, good buddy? Care to match my five? It's all getting a bit dodgy, eh? Fine. You wanna flush your money? That's your malfunction. I see your five, raise five. I'll tell you this, Space Case, you gotta start thinking beyond what you think you know. We're in the middle of a war, a real struggle for the soul of our culture. It's gonna be the learners who will inherit the Earth after all this, not the learned. What the hell's that supposed to mean? <laughs> it means prepare to be schooled, my young Padwan. Boom, I raise you 15. Whoa. What do you think of that? Oh, screw you, Piso, what the hell do you have in your hand? You fold? What? You heard me, do you fold? Sure, whatever, you got me. <laughs> Read them and weep. Oh, Son of a! <laughs> that's what you had in your hand! Fucking typical. Ain't about who's got the best card, Space Case. It's all about. Scramble signal, let's move, Alex, we're on the clock. Roger that. Power control. This is Flight Lieutenant Garland at the hook confirming that an Alert 5 scramble order has just been issued. times four birds are kept on alert status. Four F-35X Hellcats fueled and armed ready to dive into the fight. Two of these are kept at alert status five and can be airborne within five minutes of the Klaxon's first howl. Corner charge, move, move. Crewman Brian, you're on ladder duty. Secure the lieutenant into his bird. The lieutenant, let me. I got it, I got it. I'm in. In 90 seconds, pilots are strapped in. Nav data is downloaded. Diagnostic green, navigation synced. Ramp crews complete pre-flight checks. Cool it, Pip. Check. Environmental controls. Check. If everything's in the green. Been fucking tested. We're good to go, boys. Pull the pins and kiss them goodbye. Safeties are pulled. Ejection seat is armed. Good hunting, sir. Roger that. Canopy is down. Let's clear out. 
We're done here. Proven blast. Proven Brian, clear the way. Two minutes spent. 180 seconds remaining. A final systems check is verified with the tower. Echo flight. Let's have a final system check. Over. Copy that tower. Initiation final check. Maps downloaded. Nav calibrated. Master arm switch safe. Engine control circuits in the green. Canopy down and locked. Roger that, Echo 2. Fire up. Engaging starter. Engine starter engaged. At 14% RPMs, generators come online. Instruments power up. Climate controls kick in. Life support system optimal. I get that familiar throbbing in my ear that tells me the cockpit has been pressurized. At 18%, the engine winds into a solid idle. Fuel is fed into the turbofan. Shivers rattle the airframe's titanium spine. At 25, the fuel ignites. Ice-cold hydrogen becomes white-hot noise. Ignition. Less than 60 seconds left on the clock. Echo 1 here. I'm taxiing onto the runway. This is Echo 2 taxiing onto runway. I suck hard on crisp oxygen and tighten my grip on the throttle. Any second now. Any second. Tower, this is Echo Flight. Request permission to launch. Roger that, Echo Flight. You're clear to launch. Vector 320. Gate climb. Angels 40. VMAX, over. Copy that, Tower. Echo Flight is out of here. Every pilot knows the moment he leaves Earth, speed is everything. You gotta keep moving or else you're dead weight. Stop for just a second and you're gravity's slave. It's a lot like life. A lot like this war. You gotta keep moving. Never look back. Because the moment you stop, you're dead. Welcome you to Luke Air Force Base Special Training Unit problem. You all know where you are and why you're here, so let's get down to business. The sexy piece of hardware you see resting on the tarmac behind me is the F-35X. She's the latest iteration of the Joint Strike Fighter and your new best friend. We all know and love the JSF, the workhorse of America's Air Force, but there are a few vital things that make this bird better than her predecessors. She's got a bigger engine, improved weapon suite, She's also the only breed of F-35 to have forward swept wings for greater agility. So unlike her siblings, she ain't no workhorse. This bird's a born meat killer. <laughs> of course, around these parts, she's more commonly called the Hellcat. Want you to get a good hard look at her. You're gonna get to know the Hellcat inside and out, down to the gigahertz and nanoseconds before any of you hacks find yourself in the cockpit. And just so we're clear, Commit the following to memory. I expect the best. You fail to impress, you will be flushed. Far as I'm concerned, none of you hacks had any business behind the stick of a frontline fighter.
That was 19 months ago, back before this phoenix had quite yet hatched. Now I'm 24,000 feet over Guizhou Province, China, technically contested territory, but for all intents and purposes, hostile. Approaching the target area, should have visual in five. Space base, what's your state, buddy? State is one plus one zero with change. Optimum fuel ready to jump into fire. That's what Major Rocha called us back in training. Hacks because the Air Force hacked our DNA. Hacks because none of us should ever have been fighter pilots. We are Phoenix Squadron, a radical solution to an inevitable problem. Allied nations weren't producing enough skilled pilots, not when the Emperor's Divine Revolt outnumbered us nearly three to one. The math was simple. Two billion Allied citizens, only so many rolls of the genetic dice, only so many recruits born with the right combination of nerve and physiology to handle 55,000 pounds of titanium screaming through the sky at Mach 1.5. Flight lead to Echo 2. Arm weapons. Time to light them up. Roger that, Echo 1. Flipping the safety now. Weapons hot. Arming AGM-85 air-to-ground missiles. The Maverick air-to-ground missiles stashed in the plane's belly begin to awaken. Gyro stabilize. The 300-pound warheads are lowered into launch position. Ordnance is armed. Suddenly, I'm no longer seeing only through my own manufactured eyes, but rather perceiving the world as part of a highly sensitive array of optics and target acquisition software. You are approaching area of operation. Have a visual. Got the AO in sight. My artificial heart races. My wired nerves tense. Oxygen regulators inside my lungs keep me breathing at an ideal level. This is what makes us different. This is who we are. We are hacks. We are Phoenix Squadron. We are the sons and daughters of Prometheus. Gentlemen, I want to thank you all for coming out to Langley to hear what I have to say. Just remember, what you're about to hear is top secret, so if you choose not to participate, well, I'm sure you know the drill. Yeah, we know. Just not used to hearing those words from a man not in uniform. Yeah, what is that suit, Italian? <laughs> I can't believe we're drug out here to listen to some queer with a ponytail. Clamp that shit down now! Mr. Bradford may not be one of us, but you will respect him as if he were a full bird colonel. Do you understand? Yes, sir, Major Cameron, sir. Please continue, Mr. Bradford. Thank you, Major Cameron. Now, if you will all turn your attention to the hollow screen. I present to you the Prometheus Initiative. What is it? It's a combination of advanced man-machine interfaces and physical biomodifications applied directly to the pilot. Along with a few traditional prosthetics, such as eyes and heart, the unique edge Prometheus offers is a symbiotic colony of nanobots that reside inside the pilot. 
As you can see, the process involves a series of painless injections to the spine, which introduces the nanobots into the host. Where did they find this guy? Use car lock? Can't be serious. Oh, he's serious, all right. These microscopic machines maintain an improved circulatory system, boost reflexes, and install a suite of tactical wetware. What does that all mean to you? From what I've been told, everyone in this room today entered training to become a fighter pilot, and all of you washed out due to physiological limitations. <laughs> Consider Prometheus your second chance at getting your hands on a fighter jet. <laughs> Why call it Prometheus, huh? It's a Greek myth. A titan steals fire from the gods, gives it to mankind. Like it? The guys in marketing came up with that one. Tell a general you'll give him fire of the gods, his face lights up like Christmas. <laughs> Why do you think when they split the atom they called it Trinity? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Mr. Bradford. I, I'd bang my grandma if it got me back inside a jet. <laughs> but this Prometheus business, isn't this just some general's pet project in search of a few good guinea pigs? If this is such a sure thing, why wasn't I offered it when I washed out of fighter training? Yeah. Damn it, Schilling! What did I just say? No, no, it's all right, Major. I'd like to answer his question. What's your name? Lieutenant Schilling. Wayne Schilling. Just call me Piso. Okay, Piso. Why weren't you offered Prometheus until now? Easy. You know how the public is. Say you want to improve on God's design and everyone gets squeamish. Heck, you're probably too young to remember but it almost took a coup to allow parents to buy their kids pan immunity genes. Improve God's design. Now I know you're a snake, man. Snake in a suit. I, I was born with pan immunity genes. Alec, don't encourage him, man. See, there you go. Bet you also don't abide any outdated superstitions about GM food either. And that's what this is about. Progress. Don't think of this as just another hoop the brass wants you to hop through. I'm asking you to dare to reach further, aim higher, to ignite that part of the human spirit that put the Wright brothers in the air, Armstrong on the moon, Rutan spinning around Mars. All right, so tell me this. Let's say that I volunteer for this small step for man and it actually works. What's the giant leap to follow? Morning, Echo Flight. I'll be your forward air controller for the day. Call sign Sky Eye. Echo Flight here. Pleased to meet you, Sky Eye. I've got you in sight. If you're the two ship of Hellcats approaching from the south. Yep, that's us, Sky Eye. So, what's the situation below? I'll keep it short and sweet. A squad of hostile tin men got our grunts pinned down real bad. Our guys are wounded, low on ammo, and need a medevac ASAP. Think you can cut them a path out of there? That's an affirmative. Can do, Sky Eye. Yeah, Sky Eye. Creating smoking holes gives our lives meaning. And enhances our manliness. Right. I've got targets painted whenever you manly men are ready. We're ready. Watch yourself on the way in. Jades have got AAA scattered all over the rooftops. Roger that, Sky Eye. Making our first pass. Plotting optimal attack vector. All right, Space Case. Let's show them how it's done. Copy that, Echo One. Right behind you. Plotting approach vector. Ease the throttle forward and the Hellcat takes on speed. Fuel becomes thrust. Thrust becomes motion. 
460 knots of unforgiving military power driving me and my machine down toward our prey. And that's when the sky goes livid. enemies got their crawlers deployed. Quick moving AAA with a very bloody rep. Crawlers have chewed up more allied birds than the Emperor's entire air corps. I lace into the G's, try to throw their aim. 800 meters to target area. At 460 knots, every twitch of the controls jams my stomach deeper into my chest. 600 meters to target area. <laughs> 400 meters to target area. Target locked. GPS synced. 200 meters to target area. The Maverick missile's neural net crunches the numbers one last time and says it's ready to go. Now above target area. It's up to me now. I am the final link in a very long chain. I do the one thing that no machine can. Box three. Air to ground missile launch. Clean separation. And that was the first chunk of Titanium Rain. That's now available for download. Uh, look on the iTunes store for Titanium Rain. Also go to the Amazon MP3 store, search for Titanium Rain. Um, you can also go to audiocomicscompany.com and dig up uh, some behind-the-scenes production there. There's also some stuff at titaniumrainaudio.com has a big link called How to Buy. So uh, that ought to get you started on that. And for those of you who are intrigued on how a production like this comes to be, it is a uh, really fascinating story. Um, this is 
independently produced it. Not, you know, there's no big publishing company here. The Audio Comics Company um, is a, a startup uh, driven by Bill Lance's and Elaine's passion for audio drama. And we had a chance to get four key players, Josh Finney, the creator of the graphic novel, as well as the adaptor of the audio script. Uh, Bill, who directed the show and, of course, produced it. Lance, who um, sort of acted in it as the lead and is sort of the promoter marketing guy behind it, as well as Elaine Lee, who's got um, the perspective of a writer of comic books and uh, producer behind the scenes as well. Uh, this is the story of how this came to be. Enjoy. Um, and welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Uh, today we have the esteemed pleasure of talking to the folks behind the new audio dramatization of Titanium Rain. Um, we've got author Josh Finney. Uh, we also have the producing partners of Audio Comics Company, Elaine Lee, Lance Axt, Bill DeFries. Uh, Bill DeFries, also known as the director, a.k.a. Demigod. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Radio Drama Revival. Hello. Thank you very much. Uh, if we get started, um, Josh, just because um, you are the, the writer behind this, can you tell us about the world of Titanium Rain and what this story is all about? A story works on several different levels. On the surface, it's about a pilot with the U.S. Air Force. Uh, there has been a civil war in China that has spiraled into essentially World War III. And uh, the United States is outnumbered, outgunned, uh, or the Allies in general are outnumbered and outgunned. And out of desperation, because there aren't enough pilots, uh, they start taking people that plunked out of uh, fighter school. Uh, due to uh, biological uh, limitations, and they're modifying these pilots with biotech and cybernetics to get them back in the cockpit, and you're following one of those squadrons. That's the basic story. Um, on uh, deeper levels and uh, you know further passes, there's a lot of stuff going on about the nature of conflict, uh, man's relationship to war and technology, uh, evolution, uh, you know, being an atheist, I brought up terms, uh, you know, that in the story as well. Uh, essentially, it asks a lot of the big questions. And I understand you did the adaptation as well, so that's, uh, you know, another element to it. Um, you have the story already, and now you've got to make it work for audio, so how did that go? I played to the strengths of the medium. Uh, interestingly enough, from day one, before I even got into comics, one of my goals was to write audio dramas. That was one of the things I wanted to do along with comics. So uh, when Lance approached me at uh, San Diego Comic-Con with the offer, uh, it was very fortuitous. Uh, I leaped at it immediately, but uh, as far as the two, the two formats being different, uh, the thing I liked most about the audio format, unlike comics, is whereas comics is compressed, you've got to get so much onto a page. The layout of the page, the layout of the artwork, the page count has a great uh, limitation on conversation and dialogue, whereas the beauty of the audio production would be, you know, the characters could ad-lib, they could throw in innocuous little comments in the background. Uh, in comics, every comment is seen and therefore draws attention to itself, for one. Um, so that, that was a huge leap for just letting the characters breathe and become more well-rounded. And again, the other part was the uh, beauty of having actors uh, embrace these roles and bring a bit of themselves to it that I never expected, uh, which is always good. Cool. And, and so, Lance, so, um, Josh mentioned that you, too, that you uh, hunted him down at San Diego Comic-Con. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and um, you know, what you've been uh, doing with, with audio comics in that regard? San Diego Comic-Con, this, you know, little thing with 130,000 people a day, um, 
I had met Josh and Kat at the uh, the Archaea booth, and at the time, uh, Bill and I, this is before Elaine had joined us, uh, Bill and I had been interested in a project that they had created called Utopiates, and um, at the time, there were some rights issues that that were involved with Utopias that have been uh, thankfully cleared up since then. But as we started talking, uh, Josh brought up Titanium Rain, and I thought, huh, this looks very interesting. And on top of that, the thing that also connected us, and this totally threw me for a loop, was the fact that Josh and Kat were familiar with Big Finish Audio. So they knew quality audio from uh, from the beginning. And that just made the conversation between us very, very easily. It's not like I had to sell them on the idea of doing audio drama. Oh, we know audio drama. We've been listening to the Doctor Who pieces for years. So with that, I took Titanium Rain home after I spent you know, a day or two trying to recuperate from San Diego Comic-Con, read this over and thought, this has the cinematic quality that audio comics is looking for. And pass this on to Bill, and we just we immediately wanted to do it. And within a couple of weeks, uh, I was on the phone again with Josh uh, talking about the project. A couple months later, we're off and running. Uh, what's interesting, I actually had the pleasure of being behind the scenes on this one and um, seeing you record at the studio out in uh, Portland, Maine. So uh, tell me, uh, how does a production, you know, uh, all of you are, a lot of you are West Coast, how does this end up being produced in Portland? Um, and maybe, Bill, you're the best to talk about the, the choice behind how you record, where you come up with everybody, and, you know, given you could be pretty much anywhere, why Portland? Uh, because I don't like to fly. <laughs> um, no, we have a, we have an incredibly uh, talented acting base here in on the East Coast in Portland, and I've used a number of, of people in various uh, productions in the past. That said, for Titanium Rain, I branched out and brought in a, a number of uh, people who I hadn't actually worked with before. The actors here are, are really phenomenal. Uh, we, we, um, I had gone to a few productions and you know had seen actors who I hadn't met before, approached them afterwards, and one in particular for uh, the part of Pizzo, um, I thought he was just absolutely perfect for the role in terms of looks, everything. And I also brought in my uh, a former acting student of mine back in my from my London days, uh, Liz Nolden, who played the part of Happy. And um, anyway, we had a great, fantastic group of actors. And um, then it was just um, having a having a blast in the recording during the recording session. One of the things that we decided on doing with this particular production, as well as um, the one that followed, uh, was to actually try to have the rather than having the actors all on individual mics. Um, actually having them work as an ensemble and working around uh, a single stereo pair and then for the isolated uh, um, elements having them off at their at those particular mics if needed but essentially they everybody worked around a central pair and that allowed me to work around the microphone having them come in um, at various levels like for the marines coming in with backpacks and bike helmets and all coming in and crouching down around the microphone and within the battle scene itself, having the card game, uh, having everybody seated around the microphone and uh, and having a table actually there in place and playing, you know, playing cards and, and conversing. But giving that um, sense of space and physicality that standing before your own individual mic just doesn't allow for. And uh, I think it really, really paid off. 
Actually, this is Josh. I, I've done my share of uh, video game work because we need to eat. And my, my experience with a lot of the video game uh, sound recordings and voice recording is, you know, as always isolated. None of the actors ever see each other. And then it's just one person in a booth and it gets all cut together later. And when I saw that Bill's method was very physical, that the actors were going to be interacting, a huge weight came off my shoulders. I was thrilled that he decided to take that path because... Uh, from what I understand, that's a lot harder, right? It can be, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more work, but it always produces so much better results as far as performances. So, uh, yeah, it, just seeing Bill uh, apply his, his trade or his craft as a director and getting these people motivated and having them crawl across the room and uh, throwing themselves up the floor, amazing. So that's all. And no, and no lawsuits. No, no lawsuits. Good. So far, so good. Uh, so in, in Bill, that's a style that I know is like reminiscent of people like Dirk Maggs, the BBC. Do you want to talk a bit about just your inspirations from an audio front and what you're trying to do in the studio as a director? Um, well, absolutely. Uh, um, the only difference between what I do and, and what I learned from Dirk is that um, Dirk pretty much stayed on the other side of the glass, which is not, you know, I, I'm, I'm, that's not a cr uh, criticism, but... I really need to be on the floor with the actors, you know, on the other, on that side of the glass, because I also interact with them and I'll, I'll prod and push and, and, um, <laughs> occasionally carry and, um, and, you know, and, and lose a limb or arm or something too. And the, and the and grenades go off. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you can get that sense of, you know, a, a, you know, impact or whatever. And Dirk was absolutely uh, a mentor. Um, the first thing I ever did with him was uh, a piece called Spider-Man. And I played Par uh, Peter Parker, um, <laughs> a kid with all the, per you know, the personality of a paper cup and, and this wonderful superhero. And it was the first time I had ever worked with him. And, it was a very small cast. And again, we only worked around a single mic and we had the uh, sound effects person right there in the room with us, you know, with all the shoes and, you know, footsteps and things like that happening. And uh, it was the most fun I've ever had. And subsequent shows with them were equally a as enjoyable. Um, with Judge Dredd, there were only five actors, five of us playing all of those roles. At one point I was, you know, playing three characters, having a conversation with them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, quite a challenge, but... He always made it such an incredibly fun and laugh-filled experience. Yeah, I've got some amazing uh, production photos since I did have the pleasure of being there, which I'll put up on the blog to go with this because um, seeing is believing, um, particularly that, that Marine sequence, um, which was insane um, to watch happen and to hear how it sounds. And uh, speaking of sound, one of the other really impressive parts of this is the music um, by Jonathan Sharp, who I understand is a uh, personal connection with you, Josh. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you uh, encountered uh, Jonathan and sort of how this uh, soundtrack came to be? Um, well, I actually, during the 90s, had done a lot of interning and work for record labels, which is where I'd met Jonathan. Jonathan uh, uh, was in a number of bands uh, that were kind of techno-industrial. Uh, there was New Mind, Biotech, Hyperdex, One Sec. Uh, basically, if you were in the club scene, you, you were familiar with this stuff. But uh, then he uh, made the jump to doing soundtrack music and has seen quite a bit of success of that. Uh, but he'd always been open to uh, doing soundtracks for whatever projects I was working on, which I love. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to complain. Um, and when the audio drama came along, it was that perfect opportunity, not only to get his soundtrack online, but 
heard the way it should be with with the actual uh, story happening around it. Um, and yeah, yeah, the uh, score he did was just utterly incredible. The thing that really stands out with a lot of audio drama, and I hope I'm not insulting anyone here, is I, uh, you know, we all listen to a ton of audio dramas, and often the weakest point in any production has been, you know, the canned music. Um, I, there were quite a few big finished productions that were amazing, but the canned music really fell short. Yeah, and did he need like much guidance in terms of what? Um, the the finished product was going to be sounding like, or was he able to pretty much, uh, you know, take his own ideas and direction to to make it sound like like it the way that it fit in? Well, uh, he provided, uh, I believe, ultimately it was uh, twelve tracks, and then he opened uh, up his uh, past library of music from the nineties that he had done for us to use as well because he's nice, and. Uh, what happened was uh, basically Bill just went through and uh, picked what he thought worked. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I went through and I made a lot of loops and edited out vocals and stuff like that. But ultimately, uh, the way that that soundscape just kind of blends together was uh, mostly Bill's doing. Excellent. Well, let's uh, change gears here for a second. Actually, talk to you, Elaine. Um, Elaine Lee, uh, you are a comic book writer yourself. Your piece, uh, Starstruck, was the subject of the first audio comics adaptation. Uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about, as a creator, uh, what it's like to be on the production, put on the production hat for this, uh, something like this? Well, actually, I wasn't, they, um, this project was underway before I became an official part of audio comics, an, ofi an official uh, partner. Um, I came on the same way that Josh and Kat did. Um, I came on as a comics creator that Bill and Lance were working with. And then we sort of had fun working together and um, stayed in touch, and I was asked to join the company. But with Titanium Rain, my main job with, um, if you remember at the recording, I was in the booth with Josh and Kat, and um, my main job on that was just to sort of be, make things easier for them during the production. Um, having been a comic creator and, and also having worked with audio, I could sort of be a bridge there for them and um, help them be their advocate, help them with anything they needed help with. And the same, um, the same weekend, we were actually recording two things. We recorded Titanium Rain on Saturday, and then we recorded a show that I, you know, a, a piece that I wrote on Sunday. My main job on Titanium Rain was um, to help Josh and Kat. So you guys are making the most of your time when you're in Maine then? Well, I don't think we're going to do that again. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we were gearing up, getting two scripts ready, getting to, I don't know how Bill kept his sanity at all because... Who says um, he did? There was quite a lot going on. Yeah, because what, what, pe what people... Yeah, what people have to understand is with Titanium Rain and then Honey West, which is the other piece, that was a 10-hour session for each day. Well, so so let, let's back out for a moment and just talk about what Audio Comics' mission is. Like, So you have, you know, um, Starstruck was the first show, um, Titanium Rain, enjoy some, some new titles. Um, what what are you guys trying to do here um, in terms of bringing something new to the audio, you know, audio medium? Well, I think it's fair to say that we're the only company at least the only company that I know of, where we are adapting comics to audio going from the actual sequential art itself. 
We are not doing what some other companies are doing, which is an audio book translation of this miniseries or this special, uh, and they do it in full cast format. We are doing it as a, a movie for your ears. We're doing it uh, in a cinematic style, adapting the actual material. And the other thing that sets us apart from everyone else is the fact that as a was the case with Josh and Kat and will be the case as we move forward is that we deal with the creators directly. We don't deal uh, as little as possible with a giant corporation that owns this particular publishing company and then you have to deal with all sorts of rigmarole in between. No, in most cases we deal directly with the creators or if it's a small to medium-sized publisher, we're dealing directly with the publishers itself, and through the publisher, we get to deal with the creators. Uh, talking about, you know, maybe Elaine, can you speak to what Lance is talking about in terms of the approach to creators? Um, as someone who's worked in comics, that that was most important to me, um, and what attracted me to them because it gave me a chance to work on the script, do my own adaptation with their help. They sort of um, advised me when I came in to. Work work as a creator, and um, I like the fact of working with comics creators and, uh, and not trying to put our own stamp on their vision. We help them um, adapt their vision for this new medium, but we're not trying to take it over and make it ours. Um, it's still, I mean, you can see um, by listening to our different productions, they all have very different sounds. That's what's wonderful about it, and I think that comes from being true to the source material. And and Josh, how about from your perspective on this too? Did you do you do you feel the same way? Is this different, or you know, how does this compare to other experiences if you've had your um, comics adapted or otherwise uh, collaborated on with other people before? Uh, that's a great question, um, mainly because I've I've been in, I've played the Hollywood game a few times now, and. Uh, I actually posted something to a, a bunch of my readers uh, early when this when the Titanium Rain audio came out, and essentially what I said is that you know as a writer you know if you get your work out there inevitably someone is going to want to come to that creative piece and uh, reinterpret it for another medium, and in every occasion. I've had, it's been kind of a thing where they want to take the idea and work it into something unrecognizable. And naturally, at the end of the day, usually when a producer approaches you and wants to either turn it into a TV show or a book, a uh, movie, a uh, toy line, uh, the idea gets uh, twisted and warped by people who have no love for the original concept. Uh, the beauty of audio comics is there was no fear whatsoever. These people had absolute reverence for the source material. They knew how important it was to me. It was just as important to them, and the final production shows it. Uh, I mean, short of getting uh, an HBO series, I don't think it gets any better than this. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, good. So I'm glad to hear it. Um, and and Bill, and you're you're happy with how the final piece sounded out. You managed to get all the crazy scenes acted. You got all the music, and um, you're you're. Uh, you were saying that this is one of your, uh, you think one of the best pieces that you've you've released. You're feeling pretty good about this too. Yeah, and uh, the doctor visits have helped too um, after the insanity issue. But <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is um, um, this has really become more like my opus. Um, I'm I'm 
I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have been a part of it and to have had this, you know, time to have been able to spend on this. And I think a lot of people don't realize it, or maybe they do, um, that this is a labor of love. We still have to do our day jobs and we're looking to, you know, really get this so that we can actually just find ourselves just doing this more or less full time. Um, and I guess we should, we'll move on to the, the shameless self-promotion part of it. Um, the show is now available for download. There's many different ways of, of following it. Um, you know, it was part of the Indiegogo campaign, and I got um, all my awesome digital downloads. But I think, I think Lance, you're the, the promotions dude. Can you tell us about how people can hear the show, hear the rest of it? Folks, you can hear Titanium Rain, the entire production, on iTunes for 5 bucks. That's it, for $5. 5 bucks. You can, Five bucks to hear Titanium Rain on iTunes. Also available on iTunes is the soundtrack by Jonathan Sharp, which is available for nine. If you go over to Amazon MP3, you can purchase either the Titanium Rain audio or the soundtrack, again, only $9. Well, it's, technically it's $8.99, but let's just say $8.9. Bucks. Uh, you can purchase... The CD directly from the Audio Comics Company at www.audiocomicscompany.com, or you can go to CD Baby. It's now available on CD Baby. Uh, it, the CD will also be available in the coming weeks from our good buddy Tom Lopez over at ZBS. So he will be selling uh, the CD and the MP3. And uh, you'll be able to purchase the MP3. We have a wonderful new digital um, distributor that gives us control, Audio Comics, control of where we send our digital downloads. So in the next couple of months, even though it's out right now through iTunes and through CD Baby and through um, Amazon, it will be available through eMusic. It'll be available through Rhapsody. It'll be available through Zune. It'll be available through a variety of distributors all over the free world. May I suggest the best way to go about doing that is www.titaniumrainaudio.com. Josh and Cad have put up a fantastic site devoted just to the audio drama. And you can go to a section that says buy it and it will take you directly to where you want to go. It'll take you to iTunes or to Amazon or to our store on www.audiocomicscompany.com. If you're holding out it, at that very same website are more cuts of the audio drama. Awesome. So, yeah, if you, you, you've really, um, hopefully we have, we have sold you. Um, five bucks gets you the finished version. And also for people who are interested in other audio comics co um, company titles, uh, it, it's audiocomicscompany.com. Plans for the future right now, well, in addition to uh, Titanium Rain Part 2 and 3, we are planning on doing Utopiates down the road. Uh, Elaine is right now yes. working on a starstruck, uh, I, I don't know if you want to call it a prequel. It's a, uh, a, a spin-off. Spin-off, spin-off series. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> it's a spin-off series for kids, believe it or not, uh, and it's called The Galactic Girl Guides. We are working on a Galactic Girl Guide series, and ladies and gentlemen, I have been given permission to bring this up, but I can't go into really great details at this point. But we are going to be doing, uh, in the new year, a project called Bad Planet. Um, the creator has given us permission just to mention it, not to go into great details, as, as just said, but we can mention that we are going to do it. Uh, it is called Bad Planet. It is from Raw Studios, and it was written by movie and TV actor Tom Jane, who is best known uh, for his work in film on The Punisher, uh, Deep Blue Sea, 
Uh, he did the film uh, 61 for HBO. He was also most recently in the HBO series Hung. He co-wrote it with Steve Niles, the creator of 30 Days of Night, with art by Tim Bradstreet, and we are going to be adapting it. Uh, and it will be our first production that we are recording in Los Angeles, and Bill is going to be directing it. It's about a group of man-eating spiders that uh, descend upon the earth. So okay. it's, it's, it's totally rooted in the old EC comics of the 50s. Awesome. And it's just going to be a heck of a lot of fun to do. And I was going to ask, Josh, so um, apart from uh, people checking out Titanium Rain, the audio drama, do you have any other projects of your own that you'd like to uh, uh, mention while we're here? Well, I can talk about what, we, what I'm doing on the publishing end of things. Uh, sure. Uh, but again, uh, above and beyond, I urge all of you, buy this. As far as I understand, this is going to be the form that we're going to see the rest of Titanium for Titanium Rain for a while. Support this. Get awesome. behind this. Uh, what the audio comics company are doing is revolutionary and needed. Uh, as for myself, uh, we've got the graphic novel of Utopia. It's coming out uh, any day now. Uh, we're just waiting for it to come back from the printers, um, which is going to be a pretty big deal. You can order that on Amazon.com. It's called Utopiates. Uh, second is that um, I've got a novel in the works that I'm currently writing that will be released on the Kindle. And uh, then there's also World War Kaiju, which... Uh, Hopefully someday will also be an audio drama, but uh, that is the Cold War as told through giant monsters. <laughs> and where and where and where can where can people find you, Josh? The best place actually is to either follow me on Twitter, which is Josh underscore Finney, or to go to my DBNR account, which is uh, Josh dash Finney, and then it's just a regular DBNR account. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. This has been a, a real blast. Uh, there's. This is quite a Thank lot, you. you know, between um, uh, Titanium Rain specifically and all, all the things that Audio Comics Company is doing. But it was a, a thrill to have you, uh, Josh, Bill, Lance, Elaine. Well done. Fantastic production. And I hope we get some listeners listening to this and um, much success on future productions. Thank cool. you so Thank much. You. And that was Josh Finney, writer of Titanium Rain, as well as Bill DeFries, Lance Axt, and Elaine Lee of the Audio Comics Company. And you can find out more at audiocomicscompany.com and of course Titanium Rain Audio to dig into more of that and we'll put all of course all the links up on the show notes to go with radiodramarevival.com um, other good stuff uh, next week we'll be reporting from Convergence um, that's where uh, we're going to be receiving our second Gold Ogle Award for the piece Intensive Care we'll uh, produce that piece in tandem with Matthew Boudreau and Samantha Mason and the other folks at Oral Stage Studios uh, Oral Stage Studios is about to release a new uh, periodical called Dialed In. We're going to feature the first episode of Dialed In next week, as well as some exclusive interviews to get you um, some tastes of that new series, as well as the next chunk of The Cleansed. Um, we're also uh, still working on this app idea. Um, you can still fill out the listener survey, still some slots at radiodramarevival.com, follow the survey link. Um, we're also uh, just got a Nexus 7 tablet because there's a bunch of people telling us that they're listening on tablets out there and I want to make sure we've got an experience that uh, meshes well. We're starting to think a little bit beyond the podcasting format. So if you're just kind of um, want to give your opinion on how you listen to the show, that's very profoundly interesting uh, to me. I say we, uh, but usually it's me. Okay. Uh, so if you want to give an opinion about how you listen to the show and what could make your the experience better, 
Uh, one thing I really do want to get up for people is these uh, show chapter marks. I'm not quite sure how to do that with MP3s, but uh, working on all that good stuff for you. Um, so always give me feedback. Fred at RadioDramaRevival.com. If you like the show, do please tell your friends on Facebook, Google+, Pinterest, whatever it takes. You can find us on Twitter at, at RadioDrama or search for the Facebook page, Radio Drama Revival. Um, of course, RadioDramaRevival.com is our page. And look for us on iTunes, Radio Drama Revival. Uh, that's a wrap for this week. Radio Drum Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalge. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drum Revival originates an on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Southern Maine's community radio. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com's The Labor of Love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Mm-hmm.